Hello everyone, you're listening to Unrepresented, a podcast series that identifies and explores issues of representation in public leadership. My name is Camilo de Jesus, I have a bachelor's in television and radio production, and in today's episode I am joined by founding CEO of Latinitas, Laura Donnelly, and content producer Frankie Alaniz for a discussion on representation in media. Thank you so much for joining us. This episode is sponsored by Serious Logic. Serious Logic is a leader in low-power, high-precision mixed-signal processing solutions that create innovative user experiences for the world's top mobile and consumer applications. Let's build something new together. Learn more at www.cirrus.com. Today, uh, I, Laura Donnelly, I'm, I'm one of the founders of Latinitas, is joined by Camila de Jesus and Frankie Alanis to, to really like dive into what's going on media-wise, pop culture-wise. So I'll let Camila take it from here. Yeah, we've been discussing basically representation in different shows and sort of the evolution of it, how it started. And I think we're going to start off this conversation with talking about the Sex and the City reboot that just got announced for season two, because that show has definitely just gone places. I think that's what got us talking. Like, what what were they thinking? With the first season, and um, and then what? How maybe it stripped from the value and the what was progressive about its original um, series? Yeah, so it's it's a it's just been really bugging all of us, hasn't it? <laughs> it's just trying to pretend that the show is something that it never was, and I think that alienates their audience further. Like people that were excited about, like, oh my god, I loved this show. I'm so excited to see what they're doing. And they tune in to like a completely different show. I know. And I, I, I feel like so part of the context of it, because I was 26, 27 years old when that, that show came out. I'm from New York City. I, I lived in Manhattan. I had moved back to the big, you know, I was from Queens, but I was going to the big city. I was working in publishing. And so we, we like reserve time every Sunday, uh, you know, as group of, groups of women to watch that show because there was... It had like some revolutionary components. It was four women leading a series. It was funny as hell. It was non-apologetic about sexuality. Um, and then we, we know yeah. also problematic <laughs> about sexuality. But at For that sure. time, um, you know, it, it was, you know, we were still, you know, there was still so much backlash by even the simplest step of, you know, people coming out. So in, in many ways, it seemed progressive in the context of the time. Yeah, I definitely think at the time, sort of like Friends, at the time it was seen as like, this is so like revolutionary. And then you look back only a few years later and you're like, I mean, is it though? Because like even Carrie, she was thought of as so like, wow, this is a girl's girl, a feminist, like she supports others. But if you look back, she's actually very judgmental a lot about sexuality and like what people do in their own sex lives like she talks about it like in a dis disappointed way frequent like a lot it's a little concerning it was it was like yeah i don't know frankie if you want to chime it yeah their approach we you know and it was very deceptive the approach you know everything is is you know um designed right in the um in the spirit of what the male gaze has decided what's interesting or shocking. Yeah. The white male gaze. And so we, we're all susceptible to that too. So at the time, you know, 
in many ways, we are watching things with that same point of view. And as, you know, media gets dismantled and upturned, we're getting to see, you know, a great, that wider, wider um, perception of what reality is. Yeah, Frankie, I don't know if you had anything you wanted to add about. about I mean, that. I didn't, I didn't really watch um, Sex in the City like that, only when my mom had it on and I thought it was super like raunchy. And like, I was just like, why are you like, I'm maybe, I don't know, maybe I was like seven or eight at the time. And I was like, why are you watching this? Like, because all I remember of it was one, and I mean, like personally, to hear a lot of the stuff that they were talking about was kind of like, eh, but like, I think to just know that it was a show about this girl, I think she wasn't she like writing in her diary the entire time. Like it was her journal entries. She was a columnist. She's definitely, you know, she was, she was okay. a published columnist in New York City who had a once a week. I mean, just that like reality I and mean, being able to afford to live on her own in an apartment by herself on the Upper East Side mm. or Upper West Side, wherever it was. I mean, all that was just fantasy to begin with. But yeah, she she was a legitimate, uh, you know, in you know, I guess it's supposed to be like the Daily News or the or, mm-hmm. or a paper like that. But it was just, I mean, in my opinion, it was just kind of like, why are you talking about your friends like that? Like, what made what, you like, think it was raunchy? Tell me what made you think. I mean, I remember there were things they introduced. the name? Of course, that it said sex in the title. <laughs> when I was a kid, I thought it was like porn. I was like, my mom would watch it and I was like, I don't know why. Yeah, <laughs> I would be, I'd almost cry, I remember. I was like, why is she like this? Like cis lady porn. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I think that was. That was the appeal of it, right? For maybe women not seeing ourselves, um, or definitely, like, again, let's clarify, white women not seeing ourselves portrayed in honest, you know, sexuality, right? In many ways, there were things in there that were, yeah, I was just curious. You know, so it was just the imagery, because there was also just the topics, too. Um, again, that might not seem revolutionary now. Um, threesomes. But controversial at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, I mean... Also liberating to women, I'm sure, but to just, like, feel validated. I think in certain circumstances, yes, but, like, in when it came to, like, LGBTQ and, and all of those, that was, like, where I was kind of taken aback and just kind of, like, why are they saying these things? Like, why are they so negative about it? And me being a young kid, just trying to figure myself out at that time because that's what I was trying to do it kind of came off as like homophobic and I was just like why are you watching this mother so in Tell my head I was part. like was it the Samantha relationship that she was yeah she was with a, a her, I think a Sonia Braga she's a Brazilian actress yeah mm-hmm. so you guys were watching it pretty religiously <laughs> I just thought the title was a lot it was for me noticing the problematic nature came a lot later because I came out as bisexual um like a few years ago and so discovering that was a whole journey and then when I told my mom who was very religiously into that show it was a very different reaction probably based on that show it was very much like that's not real you're just confused blah 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 blah. yeah give people context because we were talking about this off mic give people context to that whole um storyline because it is really interesting it's kind of one, it was the, it was a male, it was, she was, it was, it was about a male character. Yeah. Give everyone some background. Yeah. So there's an episode where I'm not like, I didn't write down who it was, but one of the girls 
is dating a man who comes out as like he had dated men previously. He was he called himself bisexual, and they have a five minute conversation where and you can watch it on YouTube. It's honestly like kind of disturbing. It gets worse and worse the longer it goes. Where they're just basically like, bisexuality isn't real. Like, are you going to keep dating him? I can't believe he'd said that to you. Like, that's so, like, weird. And obviously, with bisexuality, there's always the concept of, like, oh, girls, it's fun. It's flirty. It's sexy. But men, that's they're just gay. And there's always that, you know, like, awful what's the awful statement that they make? Situation. It's just a right turn to gay oh my town? God. Or what was it again? Yeah. Literally, that's it. It's, like, it's a layover on the way to gay town. <laughs> And then saying, I just don't understand why all the sexes are confused now was like how the conversation started. And I was like, okay. Yeah, it's like something my, yeah. my my mom would say, who's a boomer. And these were at the time supposed to be my peer, right? Gen Xers. It was supposed yeah. to be, you know, a more enlightened generation. So yeah, super disappointing. And I love that you guys, you guys are bringing it up because I think, you know, because again, the context of the time, uh, people were, they condone, you know, staying closeted. I mean, I, it, my college people weren't out. I mean, how sad is that in 1992, that people still felt they had to keep it a secret out of fear. And so we look at it as, you know, I, I guess there was a, just a consensus, this horrible, societal consensus of just just let's not talk about it um don't ask don't tell that was i mean that was the time of the shame going yeah yeah which is it's just disappointing i mean it was definitely just white women's viewpoint like that was the show was like white middle class to upper class women's viewpoint and anyone else was kind of just like you're there for a special episode to be a special moment the black person, the gay person. It was a and Latino person it. too. I don't know if you remember. Um, <laughs> Samantha was with. He was a. He could dance. They were at Sounds of Brazil. I of used course. to love that club. That was in uh, SOBs. It was in uh, in the West Village. And of course, he was um, uh, a player, misogynist, um, a cheater. Um, they're definitely yeah. The tropes were powerful there. Um, because even on the when they when. They had a, a character date a black man. Um, they they leaned into that trope of the angry black woman. He he was sort yes. of a, a neutered. I feel like in the in the storyline, but then the sister who was really didn't approve of the relationship, they got to play out that trope uh, big time. Yeah, they definitely. I feel like their form of representation was like sprinkling in people for an episode to be like we're diverse look at us it's very the way friends did it but like kind yeah, of yeah so, so contradictory of of new york city right like where you have hundreds of of languages being spoken right uh, maybe thousands of identities interacting and crossing paths on a daily basis that yeah it seemed very unnatural um that that most of their world was very limited definitely race wise of course identity wise so okay so now i want to hear from you both because you would think that lack of perspective would have informed the current um you know version of sex in the city um but yeah i'd love to hear your feedback on what's going on there and i I really want to hear about about your feedback on 
the, even the transition of Miranda from a, a straight character to exploring another component of her sexuality, maybe that was always there, but I, it, what did you think of that? I, I didn't, I, I didn't feel like they developed that well. It was just kind of like an opportunity for maybe for them to have that storyline, but it, it didn't necessarily make sense with the character. Yeah, I totally understand the idea that we didn't have a show that represented people in this day and age. You need that and you should yearn for that. So creating this show, we're going to do that. But I feel like they just changed their characters. I think it is realistic to have someone in their 40s or 50s or whatever, discover their sexuality, come out, have that journey. I just don't know that it should be a character you've already seen for years who you only know in one way. Like, because of the way the show was done, where you only know this one perspective of these people, like this, you know, the the lens that you're seeing by them. And then for them to change it so dramatically and try to do something that they've never done before, I just don't know that that was the move. Also, to, like, break up with her husband or whatever happened there is just... Again, weird choicing for a reboot to kill a husband and then break up a marriage. It's like, (laughs) was was this the plan, y'all? Like, not great. Um... But yeah. I mean, that's really interesting that, I mean, because I don't know the entire storyline. I just know, like, a synopsis of the entire thing. Um, but, I mean, in my opinion, it could be to cater to that audience that was watching initially and to give them different perspective to show them that, you know, at any age you can discover yourself or, or change yourself or, you know, that, that your life is ever-changing. and But also to maybe correct some of those parts of the old show where it was kind of controversial and kind of like touchy subjects now it's like okay we're the same audience but it's totally different and it's 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 kind of giving them more perspective in something that they already know so do you do you both approve of the transition and that the awakening i mean i, I think that's a really good point Frankie um were there women that were um you know throughout the 90s when that show was on suppressing their sexuality maybe trying to stay with the you know the hetero or the homogenous normative of what what it would you know what you need to be as a woman um so it it could it could touch on it do you both feel like there's something positive and and so you feel like the Miranda um the transition the, the the awakening was a positive? I think it could have been. I don't think the way they wrote it was great. I think that's the problem with everything is like, yes, it should have more queer people. It should have more POC people, people of color in there. It should have all of that. It's just that the original didn't. So it's, it feels very fake. It feels very disingenuous to all of a sudden be like, oh yeah, and we're inclusive now. We were conservative then, but we're everybody we're cool with has kids. a black indigenous person of color friend now. Yeah, you know, and I love like I love the comedian Jen Kirkman. She's been you know every episode she would you know rant on TikTok and her Instagram feed. One in advocacy of Steve. She felt like he was made so to be so like uh, diminished in it. Like he was just this ice cream eating mealy mouth you know slow-witted husband 
and they, she felt like he was, yeah, something, something happened there where he was a very likable character and they kind of stripped all the stuff that you liked about it. And then she talks about she's obsessed with Che Diaz because she's a podcaster and she's like, how does this, why is this podcast in a radio station? And why is this, you know, why are they having the, whatever the, um, the comedy, the comedy, uh, concerts, why are there comedy concerts? Um, and then also just, yes, like the discontent with that character's I, I don't know. Tell me about your reaction to Che. Like, what are your thoughts on that? People were upset with the initial actual story happening, the marriage breaking up, the discovering sexuality, and that more. And then they just became like a target, I feel like, more so than like, we're genuinely upset. Because I don't think people would have minded if there was like that type of character just existing. But the fact that they were with one of the main characters and potentially ending a marriage and, and all of that, I think so is think what really missed, played into they, it. Um, yeah. Cause I was like, it seemed like Sara Ramirez was probably psyched to do the part, right? She, she had that, it, yeah. she has her own like real life or they have their own real life experience of, you know, coming out as queer after being on that show for a long time and maybe um, not being public about her, her experience, their experience. Yeah. I, I, I thought, you know, genuinely there was enthusiasm on their part to get to play that part would would they have picked Miranda as a partner maybe it could kind of lead us into segue into discussing euphoria because there you there you have a character Jules that yeah there was no big grand entrance where she's I'm trans you know in fact I I what I found most um, enthralling about that show was your curiosity was like what's happening here um, a teenager is meeting with an adult or the safety, you know, just the, how they portrayed it as a general teen experience. And then you get sort of the whole story of, um, and why they might've been pushing boundaries. Um, yeah. I mean, do you, do you want to segue? Is there anything yeah. uh, you want to, and just like that, we moved on to the next subject or is there, mm-hmm. <laughs> is there anything you want to, uh, let's. I think moving on to Jules. Let's segue. Let's segue. So this is where I'm gonna I'm gonna put you guys. You guys take over the the steering wheel because this is these. This is your disease. You this is disease. <laughs> is Euphoria the Z? The Zennials? Something yeah. like that. I feel like Euphoria is younger than us. Who are they? I, I don't think so. Z. That's really young. <laughs> well, well no, that's still Gen Z. Oh, well, I'm 24. Yeah, I'm 25. And they're like 18, yeah, 17. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're a little younger. Frankie, you walk the le- you walk yeah, the edge. They are us. You walk the edge. Millennial, Zennial. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah. I mean, how did you... Yeah, your, your response to Jules. Also, did you have that ex- same experience as me? Um, or in that first episode where you was it very clear to you like oh they they're they have a, there's a, a young trans uh character maybe for the first time in such a major yeah. show i mean i don't think it was like the first time but maybe it was actually i don't I know can't... but i remember seeing her and just we had a non-binary person really we're a main oh. character, right? A main Yeah, but it wasn't transgender. Yeah, I think for a main character, maybe mm-hmm. for a young Because there was teenager? transparent and there there have been shows before that but maybe mm-hmm. we you know yeah. that we've lost track of. I maybe you're um, right. Certainly cinema. I didn't even realize. 
Hello, listeners. As we move on to the topic of euphoria and jewels, I would just like to come out and give a little PSA that none of us are endorsing Jules' relationship with Cal or suggesting that any minor should have a sexual slash romantic relationship with an adult. That is definitely not what we are trying to say. We're just exploring all the perspectives that Euphoria explores, as well as trigger warning for the Me Too movement and sexual violence in general, as yes, we did go there. I hope you continue to enjoy the conversation that we're having. Thank you so much. I think that there was a good space for it to be in like a teenage world because it gives perspective on what it's like maybe now compared to what it was like almost 10 years ago when I was in high school, like where we are now and what it could have been even then, but to make it kind of normal and what I would imagine like it being now. Um, I just think that, I don't know. Like, I think that it's it's representative of teenagers today in a way, minus like all the drugs. But maybe yeah, not because, yeah. because some of this stuff does happen. Like, I, I'm not going to like just brush over like there are addicts in schools and, and stuff like that. So it touches on good topics, but it's also representative of the people of, of our generation in general. Yeah, I door Jules literal introduction that she's getting ready and she looks so cute and you're just like this is just such a cute girl and then that she injects um estrogen and you don't even like you're like what is that is she on drugs like, insulin, your, right? your brain it's, is like yeah, everyone's on drugs the old the old lady in the I, you know, <laughs> it, yeah it was unclear it could have been she could have diabetes right yeah but it's so casual. It's just a part of her day. And then she, like, the whole thing is really her, like, hooking up with an older man. And that's more, like, a, I feel like an actual, not teenage, but, like, but, yeah, I think, like, that is a real experience, especially with online dating that people have. And it's not at all ever fixated. Like, even any of her story, even her special episode was, while it was about her being trans, it really never was, like, the stereotypical issues that you see like the bathroom or whatever dumb shit that people make up. It's none of that. It's just day to day life. life is like, that's a part of her. It's not, mm-hmm. it does not define her. And I think that's a very rare thing that a lot of shows don't do in representation where it's just an aspect. It's not the only aspect. I think it also gives a good light on what it means to like her episode in particular, what it means to realize that you're trans at a very young age into in what what happens in that process because a lot of people don't know like what the whole process is especially with when you're at a young age and even in texas i mean like you know now there's there's trying to make laws that prevent you from 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 your child even transitioning so i mean it, it gives it's it's educational in a way and i kind of like that because i mean like we just live in a world especially right now that's super like what's the word like um i can't think of the word right now but they're just like transitional bananas apocalyptic <laughs> yeah they're just they're just like they, they don't they don't research they don't think about what they're what's it they, they're okay. just Impulsive. reacting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they're just reacting. reacting to whatever what's happening so it was so smooth her her whole story was so smooth that there was no what I also loved, there was no, like, um, hate towards her. 
because she was trans. Maybe in Nate's like initial, but that had to do with yeah. his toxic masculinity and his Self-hate. questioning of his sexuality. Yeah, mm-hmm. the questioning of his sexuality. I think. Yeah, and his shame. I mean, I, it's interesting the, the the initial perspective, especially as a parent, to see an adult, you know, um, going, you know, meeting up with a essentially a still a child, right? You know, becoming an adult. Yeah. Um, but that was probably a, in many ways like a safer space for Jules than say um, having that same experience with a classmate um, or someone like Nate who was um, attracted to her, yeah. but also, um, but de- yes, but also kind of aware that his father um, was a predator. Uh, <laughs> even though, again, being with an adult that might have a greater understanding of their self and their identity and their orientation was probably maybe a, a more ideal. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> like, I, don't, I mean, no, the show, I know what you the mean. show does that, right? It's conflict. It's, it's constant um, internal conflict. It's like you, it's neither black or white. I mean, that's what their goal is. Um, yes. We, we are, we uh, have an affection for the main character and yet she's like hugely problematic and severely, you know, ill with addiction and so that that whole show is about um there's it, it, yes like maybe getting away from those tropes of like that's the good guy that's the bad guy I actually think what you said is very true because most of my friends in the LGBT community when we were younger they did hook up with like adults or people in the queer community I think that's very mm, prevalent very... in the queer community it just because it does feel safer to an extent to be on an app that's dedicated to you versus to like have like the interaction with Nate he is awful. He's a volatile, terrible person. And unfortunately, that can be the reality. Like every time you're opening up your sexuality or your gender identity, you are in some ways potentially endangering yourself. To, yes, to be with someone who has maybe been down that road of, uh, you know, fear, uh, self-scrutiny or having, you know, having to deal with, um, a lack of acceptance throughout their whole, um, adolescence. Yeah. It probably seems like a, a safer place. I don't know if it's the idea, you know, hopefully the show is also maybe an emblem that we're moving. We can be moving out of that where Jules would have the opportunity for more, you know, um, mutual and supportive and, and loving relationships from peers, um, which we did see that right in the evolution of the of the storyline um, where she starts to date Rue and, and, um, and even, and even later in, in the episodes where she's, she's with, um, what's his name? You guys tell me the, <laughs> the third um, friend, Elliot. Elliot. I, I love Elliot. Elliot. What? I love Elliot. I just, but why? <laughs> I love Elliot. Not in a sense. I love his, I love the actor in general. His name is Dominic Fike. Oh my God, Dominic Fike. Yeah, I love his kindness though. Artist. Wait, Camila, what's your reaction? Because I mean, Frankie, you, you know, you got Elliot vibes. He's, he's, he's just very, I mean, there's a kindness there. What, what is it that you didn't like? Oh no. Or... No, I think Elliot's a hottie. He's a cutie. He's a good boy. But I mean, you know, minus the drug addiction, but I just felt like that storyline, like Hunter Schaefer, the actress, wrote the episode in which she says, like, I'm done with men. I'm not, that's like, I'm tr- over trying to prove my femininity. 
And then in the beginning of season two, she's wearing binders just to kind of express that she's going through this like androgynous figuring herself out phase. And then that's all thrown away in like two seconds because Elliot flashed his eyes and was like, oh my God, you have boobs is basically what he said. So it's just like, I think he's a great guy. I just don't think we got to explore him in a way that makes him great because that whole storyline with Jules was really weird and like unnecessary to me, but but I liked him. I mean, I had like a whole Dominic Fike phase anyway. So like I, I like did covers of his music. I like him. So it's I not think that. What I, I most enjoy about that show and it, it you know, it's, it's storytelling. Um, I enjoy this when it's in the written word too, just the backstory, right? I like they, they're flash forward into what's happening in the now. And then it like pulls back the lens and you see the origin stories. And I think, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's a very like shocking show. I think when I first watched it, I was like mouth agape, like, what is this? What have I stumbled upon? And also for myself, I'm 50 years old. Uh, oh, should I, is this really for me? I'm going to, I'm going to kind of look into the look sort of the window of what it, what it maybe it is to be 15, 17, 20 years old right now. Um, I also am a big proponent of I don't. I don't feel like high school does ever change. Uh, yet there, there is some very shocking parts of that show. You know, the, uh, the excessive sexuality, right? The, the 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 different types of drug use, um, or even stepping into like criminal life. But frankly, I don't. I, there were the same amount of students that were having that experience at my high school, and the same an- amount of nerds like myself who were not, you know, or very restrictive parents, or we were just, we were just doing different things. And I don't think it ever changes. I think people would be, I, I, if I talked about what people were doing in my high school to my parents or the other parents, they would be horrified. It was, there was like, you know, grown, grown up sexuality things going on, uh, students hooking up with teachers. Uh, there was a lot of that actually. And, and, um, some things even came out later. Um, there was cocaine use, you know, there was like the drugs of the time. Um, we were definitely more of a, like a, a working class community. So we didn't, it wasn't like, there wasn't a lot of like pot and heroin, but then you went like one town over, which was much more affluent and forget about it. It was it was like euphoria, um, but we had our own euphoria things going on. Um, domestic violence within relationships. I mean, so I, I kind of it's it's a it's like oh, do we want to touch this? I, I feel like it's same with sexual violence. I mean, when you know I'm listening to the to the Supreme Court hearings for um, you know where there's a historical moment going on. Or, you know, we'll have the first black woman on the Supreme Court. And I'm thinking back to when, um, you know, uh, Kavanaugh was appointed and we were hearing about um, the sexual violence that he, he enacted on, on other persons um, and all, and, and how every, you know, I just, was there a woman in America that didn't have a story of an inappropriate uh, interaction with an adult as a child or or maybe something worse right or actual uh, assault on their person um so i'm, I'm kind of like we're touching these things and they're super important right because there's like a lot of hidden oh we don't want to think of high school as a really intense complicated um maybe even violent uh 
you know, you know, children, you know, people are suicidal during that time. People don't want to talk about that part. They want to talk about the football games and the cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. And same with, and I feel like it's the same with sexual violence. It's, it's, it's the norm. <laughs> and so I wonder if we can talk about it more. It, it can be less of a, of a sort of a secretive uh, struggle that people go through. Um, I think. I have a feeling Euphoria is going to get there at some point in an episode, I'm pretty certain. But they had that whole sort of like tease of sex trafficking in season two. There was that episode where it just kind of seemed like, you know, like Rue had all these drugs and then basically was told, you know, like, if you don't have money, you're a woman. You can pay for it in other ways to this 17-year-old kid. And it's like that sex, I mean, every form of sex violence is prevalent from the time anyone is like zero years old which is awful and it's sad that it took so long for the like curtain to be lifted upon all of that but like it's so prevalent and I think it's really important that I mean I wish they would have gone further honestly because I think it's important that a show talk about especially to kids about sex trafficking is a very and that's how it happens right it's not like it's not some dark alley yeah I saw you both nod when I said has any of us just in, you know, I'm good, you know, men, women, uh, have any of us escaped some sort of inappropriate behavior um, from? An, and I, I, I actually felt like um, when when all that was coming out in the last uh, Supreme Court hearings, we're just we're not even scratching the surface. Like if I really put on the if I put on my Facebook, you know, why I felt me too. It's like. It, you know, there's family, there's exposure, right? There's people that you're, you still see, yeah. uh, you know, you know, at family gatherings or, um, yeah, I felt like, I don't know if the world is ever going to be ready to know, you know, with euphoria, like the truth about high school. Well, they, and, and, you know, yeah. and, and in the same vein, the truth about the experience of like, uh, growing, I don't know if those two, I guess they're tied together, right? Because it's, a lot of it has to do with, like, when you're young and, like, just the people that you surround yourself with. When the Me Too movement happened, I, like, I had this core friend group and we never talked about that stuff. And when that happened, my world was, like, changed forever because we were all talking about it. And I realized I don't know a single girl that has not been sexually harassed, raped, or assaulted. Like, and that's terrifying. I mean, like, mothers, friends of mother, like, it's like, like, I literally cannot name one including myself, which is just, like, awful, and... I still, and I think that's still not necessarily understood, like, the extent of that. I think it, things came yeah. up, but I I feel like it still was kept quelched, right? Like, we don't, we don't want to know everything. Um, yeah, I think it's definitely, like, a, men have this idea that it's, like, oh, it's not all men, and it's, like, but it is all women, so it's, like, what does that mean? That it's like, yeah, it's not every single man, but if that's happened to every single girl to some capacity from like being, you know, like touched inappropriately in public to like the worst thing is, then what does that mean? Then it's like, there's something so much bigger. And I just feel like, not to say it's men, but it's like, I just think they haven't realized that. And since we live in a patriarchy, that's a pretty big thing unless they know someone and they do know someone. They just don't want to realize that. And I've even, th- even but. with that, um, and their own experience, their own trauma too. So it's, I, I noticed uh, when that, ha- 
you know, what, when all that was coming up, um, I definitely have had experiences where you also diminish it. You're like, well, um, that's not what I, you know, I, I, you kind of do that whole negotiation thing. Like, well, I, at the time I didn't say anything or, um, and so I, I think there's that practice too. And so we've been doing that for so long because you're just, you're like, well, if I really address each of these instances, I will never not be addressing it. Like it's, you know, it's not a, it could be on a pretty rapid basis, yeah. especially, you know, and young women compared to older women. Uh, I mean, I think that's why there's a celebration of like post 50, because you do become invisible in some ways and, and you're, but in many ways we, we are validated by that treatment of uh, harassment and yeah. catcalling. So then it's like you, I'm you worthy. feel the loss. Like I'm not seen in the way that, you know, we have been trained to be seen. So I see, I see Frankie, like I see ideas like formulating over your head. <laughs> so I have never been in a situation where I've been sexually harassed, sexually assaulted, catcalled, anything like that. And I think that speaks to a lot of who I am as a person, because even as a young age, I think I was very masculine and very like, but also very shut off from the world because I'm, you know, my family was, you know, my parents are very older than 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 normal, like normal people my age. Um, I have an older sister, but I know a lot of people who have been sexually harassed. Um, I've been in situations where I've been not sexually harassed, but um, mentally and physically abused in a relationship. So I understand that, but never to that extent. But I always feel some type of like, I just don't like it. Like, I just don't like the idea of cis men taking advantage of women. Like, it just it just doesn't, like, make sense to me because of, I guess, the world that we live in and the feminism and, like, men are kind of like, oh, but I don't know. It's it's really hard to, to, to differentiate that because I'm kind of seeing both sides of it, you know, but there's no excuse for for that ever and I don't understand why that would ever like I just don't understand cis men period well so much has been normalized like I mean I had a gym teacher in uh, eighth grade so we're 12 13 who used to like talk about our body you got a hot body she's got a nice figure and it's so and, but again like we diminish it we normalize it we think as girls like that's normal he's um, expressing a compliment. Um, I, I think, uh, uh, yeah, like, and, and then kind of bringing it back to some of these shows. I don't know if there's other shows you can think of where they, or even in euphoria, like where they are kind of upturning that idea of, um, you know, that we don't, we don't have to comply any longer. I think there's some of that. I think 13 reasons why. I think euphoria is, uh, no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, um, I think there's some of that in Euphoria where, like, I, I feel like because it's not a hopeful show, they don't almost ever make it like, it's okay, you're a feminist now, the way they did with um, 13 Reasons Why, but I think it's really important what we saw in season one with Maddie and Nate's whole relationship, like, the intense toxicity and the, like, literal cycle of abuse that was happening in that is just, I think that's important to see. I don't think Euphoria is ever going to make it a thing. I mean, they're starting to. I guess Maddie's uh, getting better now. But I don't think we see much hope in it. Handmaid's Tale is another one that's very 
that show. I couldn't watch that show during the Trump era because I just, I didn't think I could take any more. I just was like, (laughs) (laughs) but I think I want to watch. I definitely, I've read most of it. Uh, I think it was required reading when I was in high school. And, um, you know, and then it's gotten some criticism too, because it's, it's like, okay, this is, this is a dystopic, you know, fantastic vision of what the world, but you know, for many women, uh, in the United, in the U.S. and and other countries and third world countries, there they go through that. That is happening for them. You know, it's not it's, it's not no, a fantasy yeah. um, kind of projection into the future for them. The saddest part about that show because I was the same. I watched it during the Trump era. I watched an episode so and a half, brave. and I literally almost threw up, was sobbing, and was like, I can't, I can't. But then I went back a few years later, and now I'm like, I love that show so much. It's so important to me. But. Um, the writer of that show literally said, I don't put anything in this show that is not happening right now somewhere. And that's what's so upsetting about that show is that it's it's too real. Like every aspect of that show is too accurate. Even like the LGBT violence that goes on in that show, that's like, it's illegal and all this stuff. It's awful. But also I think pretty important as far as like that topic goes. I do, I you know, I... I am, again, anytime there's representation of any storyline we haven't seen or we don't see enough of, I feel like it has like innumerable power over uh, an influence on changing social attitudes. I mean, I, I'm obsessed with media for that reason, because I do, I know how the sort of the negative presentations or the manipulative presentations have impacted my own body image or where I think I could go and what I think I could do. Um, so I'm also, you know, hyper aware when something comes across that's truly authentic. As you can see, we were actually very passionate when discussing representation and just all things television and media should be representing, that we wish it was representing, that this conversation actually continued on. And in case you didn't notice, this is part one of a two-part episode. So I will see you for the next part. Thank you so much for listening.